The decade is the 1960s. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And this is My Marvelous Year. <laughs> we made it. We a did it. Here we down. are. Wow. Yeah, I'm One sure that sounds really good through my through my microphone. I was hoping we could replace most audio with, and, and maybe even just the theme song with, <laughs> with just playing it on our phones and dancing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Seems like a good start. Let's get the actual theme in here. history of the marvel universe year by year 10 essential storylines at a time i'm dave the founder and editor-in-chief of comic book herald and with me on the line the stilt man no 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 no. that's mean <laughs> please let me please think of a better one. come on i had a better one uh oh i remember what it was the android rick jones to my captain america it's zach dean and we are here <laughs> to recap <laughs> The entire decade of the 1960s. We did it. We made it through an entire decade of Marvel Comics, an essential decade, obviously, in oh so many ways. Uh, But yeah, we're going to be recapping 1961 from Fantastic Four number one through on to 1969. I couldn't tell you the last comic we read. What was it? Like Silver Surfer number 18, technically, or something like that. Yeah, Um, I don't know. But it's a big, long run. I think we read approximately 145 comics. I think more like 180. 180? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was 180. Yep. That number is only going to surge as we move on into the 70s. But right now, what we're going to (laughs) do is we're going to take a look back at the decade as a whole, at what we read, at what we liked. And I think one thing we're hoping to do is to sort of set the stage for if you weren't along for the 60s ride, or if you started it maybe and were kind of like, this is old and I'm bored <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I just want someone to fill me in on what I need to know. We're going to try to do a little bit of that too with essential characters and storylines. Um, and then we'll answer some listener questions as we do every variant cover episode, right? Yeah. Yep. yep. Oh, Hey, and uh, just to, just to note the last issue that we read for 1969 was incredible Hulk King size number one, which you didn't even read. <laughs> I did forget to read. Forgot to read. So (laughs) the last one, an auspicious end to the decade. Yeah, right. Maybe, and and maybe that's a metaphor for how it how it kind of felt getting there. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think broadly speaking, we've been kind of. I know I've been kind of summing up the decade as we've been going. I think I have two overarching thoughts. The first is what I said right up at the beginning, which is there's a real thrill of seeing the universe built from scratch, you mm-hmm. know, to see Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and everyone else involved build this superhero universe from from nothing, you know, essentially, with the exception of, like, the eventual remnants of, you know, Golden Age Namor or Cap or, or uh, who am I forgetting, um, the original Human Torch. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, basically building it all from nothing, nothing. And then the thrill of going from that to like really peaking in 1966 for me at least yeah I think that yes. ride 
you know, from FF number one on through to 66, where you get the coming of Galactus, and if this be my destiny, and Spidey, and, and, and this man, this monster. Like, you get so many good stories. It's really cool to see this universe progress. And I think one thing we take for granted now is I think there was a real sense that I kind of appreciate now of, like, Stan and the gang basically feeling like this this craze could die at any moment. And there's kind of a sense of urgency in comics mm-hmm. up to that point to be like, we just have to tell the biggest, wildest stories. And I think that's actually where you get something like Galactus in particular, where yeah. it's like we can ha- we can up the stakes to – because we talked about the problems with like, well, how do you come back from that? What kind of story do you tell after you had the world-eating, you know, quote-unquote universe-ending comic? And they didn't really have to worry about that. And people were writing letters in asking about that exact problem at the time, right? Yeah, this isn't totally. just us. Exactly. And I think, like, the answer is you don't have to worry about that if you think the craze is going to end. <laughs> and I think that actually helps the storytelling in some ways. And now, as we move into the 70s, we're going to be looking at the total opposite of that, which is, like, actually, this might go forever. <laughs> and what do we do? What kind of stories do we tell for something that actually goes forever? I mean, this is something I've been thinking about, too, which is... You know, there is that tipping point where you feel like they realize, like, okay, this is it. Like, we're, we're going to put all our eggs in this basket, in the superhero basket, and moving forward, we're just going to expand in this direction. But, you know, I, there's part of me that it always takes it for granted that superheroes, like superheroes in comics, are so linked uh, in a way that it didn't necessarily have to be, right? You know, and I kind of, mm-hmm. <laughs> when, I, when I realized that, like... You know, well, what do you mean? Bar- what do you mean by it didn't have to be? Well, I mean, it, maybe it wasn't superheroes, right? That propelled comic books into like the word superhero and comic books weren't mm. so tied together. Maybe it was, you know, high fantasy. Maybe it was Conan the Barbarian. Right. Like, we okay. could, I feel like we could easily be living in a world where every other comic book out there is about high fantasy, sword and sorcery. You know, uh, it could all be Star Trek comics, right, and stuff right. like that, right? Like. W- we have a it's a very specific genre that that does encompass a lot of smaller genres like it's very sci-fi influenced we've got some magic fantasy we've got all kinds of different things mixed in there but it's still all superheroes and why why superheroes and why not i don't know uh opera written opera <laughs> well the answer, the answer lies in the question yep, um, yeah. i do think no i i think i get your main point and i think it's a really interesting one that actually i want to continue to maybe interrogate a little as we go, which is like why superheroes pick back up and they've never stopped, <laughs> you know, to present mm-hmm. day. We're recording mm-hmm. this mid-year 2019. Right. Um, and I think there's been a lot of interesting analysis about this, especially with the rise of like the MCU about, you know, these are, this is the modern mythology of pop culture. But you're right that it didn't have to be, the medium, comics in particular, didn't right. have to be filled with superheroes as like its primary engine necessarily. Yeah, you know? right. Um, yeah. That is something that it that's the way it worked out. Uh, but those mythologies live on in a way that I think surprised even probably the people working on them. I mean, I think yeah, you I mean you can, you can see that just reading these early comics that they weren't planning on doing this, having these characters around in a decade. Mm-hmm. You know, you mm-hmm. you don't get the feeling that they think like. Oh yeah, Spider-Man, he's going to be here. He's <laughs> he's going to live for another 50 years in these pages because, you know, they graduate him from high school what 20 issues in. Right. So I that's actually like, that ties in yeah. perfectly with the second thing that I think really stood out to me this this uh, you know, this decade review is the reduced output of the 1960s. 
Like they mm-hmm. Marvel literally could only publish so many comics because of licensing agreements and distribution. So like mm-hmm. the people that own them kept them, you know, to a tighter publication schedule. And this actually leads to a tighter universe. It is, it's got that amazing feeling of being able to read everything yeah, that sure. is, is completely absent from modern superhero um, universes. Right, yeah. Marvel in particular is, is really guilty of this in 2019. Um, but it's one of those things that it's, it's so cool to actually be able to read everything and to feel it all building and connect in the ways that it does and to feel characters meet for the first time. Um, but it's one of those weird instances where like the kind of inside baseball, boring <laughs> business overlap actually contributed to probably a, a better a, product. Yeah, yeah, a better product. Absolutely. Um, and then we saw and felt once you hit 67, 68, 69, and we're going to see this big time in the 70s, they start being able to add Nick Fury, Captain Marvel, Silver Surfer. It's like, you know, the, the lid comes off. Vampires. And there's an explosion. And Kung Fu and. Oh, yeah. It's all common. And like all Looney common. Tunes kind of stuff. Yeah. Howard the Duck. Yeah. So yeah. it's going to change the game in a lot of ways. There's going to be a lot of good that comes out of that. Um, but there's also like you're just you can never put it back in the box because <laughs> yeah. you're never going to get rid of those dollars. I mean, Marvel puts out. We read about 180 comics. Marvel puts that out in a month now. Right. Like. <laughs> like every, no joke. No joke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe a little more than a month it takes them, but they, they put out over a thousand comics a year. No, I actually I think yeah, you're like, actually really close. Ironically, yeah, um, yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah, anyway. so I, I think that's definitely one thing that like if you're considering the '60s read, that would be one of my main arguments for going back and trying it. Is like it's just everything's just tighter, and you can if you look at like the bullpen bulletins once those get going and the Marvel backups, um, you know they'll list out all the comics comics coming out, and it's like. For the month, it's like, oh, there's eight. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, can yeah, read right. all of those, you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and if this is your first episode, if you're hopping in here and you are wary about a 60s read, don't be afraid to skip around. Don't be afraid to say, like, man, this is just dragging. And instead of quitting, just jump ahead. You know, it's it's there's, there's no harm in not reading everything, because especially, like, some Avengers, some Hulk, even some early X-Men, like, it, it just drags. Um you know, pick and choose, like, let the list be your guide, but then, you know, you can accommodate to your, your own, uh, your own tastes. Totally. And I was thinking about this too, a little bit more, like the, the sort of absurdity of obviously like starting with comics is always a challenge, but the oh, yeah. absurdity of being like, I want to start at the very beginning. Where is it? Okay. Fantastic Four number one in 1961. What other media, like what other media or pop culture do you have to run back, you know, like how many years? I can't even barely do the math, 60 years to yeah. get to the top, you know, because it's like the context and the history and just the style. It's like it's not built for modern readers. They didn't know how how on earth could Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, everyone, John Romita, everyone amazing. How could they know what reading and tastes and style would look like in 60 years? I think the amazing thing is they created characters that can fit for audiences 60 years later. You know, that can be mm-hmm. contextualized right. in a modern context and in a modern style. Um, but these comics were not written for readers in 2019. So there's – some people will find it like – you will find the the approach like very interesting historically. Um, and some people will just straight up enjoy it, and that's totally great. Um, you know, like it, it all depends on when you came to comics, I think, and just what your overall perspective is. But in terms of understanding the Marvel Universe and the history of these characters – we're going to recap some of that right here on this pod, but also like 
we're going to provide the arm ramps as we go that are going to get closer and closer to, you know, 2019 popular understanding, um, you know, up until the point that we're literally talking about comics coming out in 2019. Yeah. Yep. Can't wait to get to it. Uh, all right. I think with all that, are you good? Yeah. All right. With all that being said, let's, uh, let's get into this, this week or this, uh, this decades poll, uh, which was what is the best story of the 1960s? And we put quite a few up here, so I'm not surprised that we have a couple that didn't get any votes. Down at the bottom, with zero votes, The Origin of Doctor Doom and The Strange Death of Captain America, which I can understand. I don't think either of those are, like, very personal stories for people. I loved those Captain America stories, but, yeah. So is that, that um, would have been. is that Cap 132 with Jim Steranko? Or 111 and 113. Yeah. With, oh, with 132 Steranko. is yeah. the uh, Android Bucky Barnes joke that I made at the beginning of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess you uh, yeah. did. You did make a joke that they're not going to hear for another couple of weeks. Because <laughs> what do you mean? I, oh, is that a did, '70s comic that I jumped ahead on? Is it? I don't. I don't know. It's so confusing. When Time is the hardest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, coming in next to last place with one vote. Uh, this one kind of surprised me. I kind of thought it was going to be. This was going to be like maybe number two. Is this man this monster with a single vote? Wow. Okay. Yeah, that, that the critical been... darling. Only one vote. Yeah, I think this would have been my number two. So I'm, I'm a little surprised. Um, right after that, tied with two votes, is The Coming of Galactus and Spider-Man No More, both with two votes each. Which, uh, yeah, see, I don't I don't know. Neither of those worked that well for me. Like, I kind of saw their importance, but neither of those, like, really hit me. Uh, hit me that hard. So um, after that, and this is surprising, uh, Search for Eternity with four votes. Like people, I'm surprised how many people really like that. Maybe I knew we had just, to get some Doctor Strange in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm surprised how many people liked it, but good. I'm glad. I mean, I know there's a few people like uh, Peter is just reading a lot of Doctor Strange right now and really enjoying it, saying that like it's a really good comic um, outside of what we read in the list. So I feel like Strange I'm, is definitely one that for the people it connects with. Yeah, it's it's just top notch. Probably one of your favorite series of the '60s. Yeah. And then for some oh, people, they're like, I get it. I, so, I see it. Yeah. It's so different from everything else that's coming out, though. So yeah, if right. you like that, yeah. It can easily be a favorite in the way that, like, Hulk or Iron Man can't, really. Yeah, yeah. Which all the people that are like, I love Iron Man, I'm sure are freaking out. But I missed, actually, below that is How Green Was My Goblin with three votes, which I liked a lot, too. Um, some really good Green Goblin action there. Even mm-hmm. though that one does have the crime of, like, half of issue number 40 is, like, recap of older <laughs> stories. Yeah, so it's still it so kinda, good, though. Yeah, it is very good. Yeah, it's. I mean, I think that is the one that cements Green Goblin as my favorite villain of the decade. Let's see. And so in second place, Where Walks the Juggernaut? Which is kind of surprising. Like, I loved this one, but I'm surprised it's big enough that it got second place. But it's really that good. Like, that tension building in X-Men number 12 is just, I mean, like, the best I, they've ever done. Yeah, if I was going to... If I was going to pick one single issue, it'd either be This Man, This Monster... Or where rocks the juggernaut for the comic sure. that I was most yeah. like, wow, like that just kind of blew me away that it was that yeah. good from from this era because I just I wasn't prepared for it being that excellent, especially early X Men. There's all kinds of weird story stuff in X Men number twelve too that I think is ridiculous, and despite that, it's still one of the best issues. There's all that strange stuff about weird plot machinations about uh, Kane Kane Marco, right? Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Kane Marco. That it's like. He's not a mutant. It's magic. He's not the one that uh, paralyzed Professor X. Like all this, these weird choices that happen. 
but despite that, so good. Mm-hmm. And then number one, to no one's surprise, with twice as many votes as <laughs> We Walks the Juggernaut, If This Be My Destiny, Spider-Man 31 through 33. Yeah, that makes sense. That would definitely would have been my pick. It warms yeah, my heart same. that everyone yeah. agrees. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, it, it is it's one like, of those things where it's like, oh, good. Yeah, th- there's a reason everybody talks about this. Like, it's it, it, one it's, of the best superhero comics ever. It's inexplicable, right? Because it's just like, hey, what's so good about that? Well, I mean, he lifts a big weight, and it's like, it's <laughs> yeah. really heavy, and it's like, yeah, right. oh, he lifts a weight, huh? Yeah, it's tough for him, you know? And it's just like, you can feel how tough it is. So, pretty cool. Definitely describing the plot of it, or describing the elements, it's like, it doesn't it doesn't add up into what you would expect to be one of the best stories, you know? Because it's not even a traditional Spidey versus Doc Ock type story. No, I, I even forget that Dr. Octopus is like... <laughs> the main villain there that's because like, he's such he... a secret master planner oh that's right yeah yeah i even forgot about that yeah it's just uh it, it is strangely something that can't be described plot wise right it's not just like here's a really cool idea like galactus mm-hmm. or here's the emotional core like this man this monster that comes across like you can kind of explain like oh it's a man who you know he's dealing with being transformed and etc cetera, etc cetera. like yeah this is this is they really put it on the page and in the art in a way that I don't know. It's almost just like, I guess if you're going to get to a core, it's like, this is what Spider-Man is. Yeah. Yeah, sure. It just, I mean, it it zeroes in on his character so well. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Great voting, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Good (laughs) Good job. You made us proud. So, and just, if you're, again, if you're like just doing the recap here, go read Amazing Spider-Man number 31 to 33. That's If This Be My Destiny, the club's (laughs) favorite read of of the whole decade. So if you read anything, read that. So we've got some good listener feedback here, and uh, <laughs> my wife, without without any prompting, wrote us in a message here with some questions that, like, really tough questions, honestly. Like, you're going to sweat when you hear some of the questions she wrote. So I'm excited to get to that. But before we do, uh, let's do, we're going we're gonna to recap. I'm sweating already, unrelated. Oh, okay. <laughs> but cool. this will definitely help. Okay. So let's do characters first, I think. Yeah, we're going to play try to Yeah, a little game where we're going to do a lightning round of throwing a name out there to the, our co-host and having them try to do in 30 seconds or less a complete recap of what happened to them in the 60s. So hopefully this will be entertaining for new listeners and uh, old alike. And challenging for us, I think, because there's a lot we want to say. And I'm going to be honest, at this point, we, Zach and I, we're always ahead a little bit on the reading. So like, I've moved on. You know, I am out of the 60s. I am into the 70s. I've got two gold chains around my neck and a pink frilly shirt. My hair is in uh, what can only be described as cornrows meets afro. So I'm I'm heavily in the 70s. But we're going to try and do the 60s recap here. Um, do you want to do the first one? I'll start with the timer. Uh, yeah, I mean, you want me to throw out a name? and you'll So, the timer. so here's an idea. Rather than going down the list that you've so helpfully Oh, no, compiled, I'm going to pick them at random. Yeah. Random. Okay. Yeah, yep. yeah. We're on the same page. Yeah. All right, cool. Okay. So, all right, how about you pick first for me, then? Inhumans. The Inhumans are introduced in the pages of Fantastic Four. There's a long saga from, like, 35 to 50 in which we meet Black Bolt. We meet Medusa, who is on the lamb. She's on the run. The Inhumans are trying to capture her. And we, of course, meet Maximus the Mad, who is basically, he tries to usurp Black Bolt's reign. Uh, he fails. The Fantastic Four stop him, but he puts a big dome around the city, and Johnny can't get to his true lady love, Crystal, who is trapped in the dome with Lockjaw, the cute dog, who everybody loves, who also can teleport. Time. Humans. 
That okay. okay. Uh, that was nonsense for anyone who has no. <laughs> that, was just, that was a lot of names. Okay. <laughs> this this might not be the most um, direct way to get information about characters. Yeah, I'm going to sum it up for you. They're they're mutants that aren't actually mutants, and they live in a mountain. Oh, okay, okay. So going more with the how do you describe this instead <laughs> yeah. of yeah, just yeah, everything <laughs> that comes to mind. Okay, fair. Instead of just everything that happened to them. All right, yeah, fine. Yeah. Let's hit you with one. I'll start you okay. off with the softball. Okay. Uh, Thor. Thor, okay. Uh, Asgardian god of thunder was sent to Earth to learn humility by his father, Odin. Um, he wields a big hammer, Mjolnir, can uh, use it, spin it around to fly, he loved Jane Foster, a nurse, but uh, eventually fell out of love with her when she didn't live up to his godly expectations, and now loves Sif, which is his new Asgardian lady love. He's got long blonde hair. Uh, hippies. Stop. He doesn't get along with hippies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so that is Thor, the long-haired Norse Avenger. All right. Uh, okay. Hydra. Hydra. Okay, so this is the counterintelligence agency to S.H.I.E.L.D. They are an evil spy organization. They have incredible hand motions that they all practice together. They wear green and yellow, and they say, Hail Hydra, because if you cut down one of their agents, another shall take it place. Um, basically, they are the bitter enemy of Nick Fury. We see them most frequently led here by the former Nazi leader and still Nazi at heart, Baron Von Strucker. Hydra, Hi. they're evil. That's pretty good. I think you got a good idea who Hydra is from that. Okay. Okay, fair. All right. Let's give you next up is going to be the Green Goblin. Ooh, okay. So the Green Goblin is actually Norman Osborn, a industrialist in New York City, whose son, Harry Osborn, is Peter Parker, Spider-Man's roommate. Uh, Spider-Man keeps foiling the Green Goblin's plans, uh, the Green Goblin eventually finds out who Spider-Man is and attacks him, kidnaps him at his home. Spider-Man knocks him unconscious and knocks the uh, knocks his secret identity right out of Norman's head. Uh, and now he's in the midst of remembering and forgetting back and Time. forth. Okay, <laughs> that's how you. That's how amnesia works, right? You like knock the memory out of their head. That's it. He's got yeah. He's just got amnesia going on back and forth though. Yeah. Okay. Um absorbing man which i don't even think we read but i, I don't know remember about. reading absorbing man but let's talk about him i um, read a lot absorbing of absorbing man, man is gifted powers by loki and basically what he can do is anything he touches he can absorb that material so he carries around a big uh, ball and chain so he's constantly got one a cool look two no shirt and three metal that he can absorb into property um you know, Time. The properties of what I only gave you 15 seconds. We don't need more than that. For okay. <laughs> he fights Thor a lot. He's real fun in the most recent Black Bolt series. Okay. Yeah, you got you got to the thrust of Absorbing Man right away. I love getting to the thrust of Absorbing Man. Oh, okay. <laughs> Give me another one. You can do Iron Man. Okay. Tony Stark, Iron Man. He's got a real sad heart, but not anymore. It's okay. It's made of plastic. Um... He has a suit made of iron. He is rich, but doesn't really spend his money that we see very much. Uh, not that much happens to him in the comics. He loves Pepper Potts, and, but she married Happy Hogan. 
that's kind of all that you need to know about him in the 60s. Okay. Yeah, he's also an Avenger. I think we're I think he got <laughs> oh, it. Right. Well, that was that's a weird description of Iron Man. The, perhaps the most known character. Well, in exactly. All of I got to but... give him a twist. Okay. Um Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange, the sorcerer supreme. He was a surgeon, arrogant one. Got a bad car crash, lost the use of his hands. He goes to Tibet, finds the Ancient One, who gifts him the power of magic, essentially. He becomes the defender of Earth against supernatural forces. He wears an incredible levitating cloak. He has cool hand motions and wears the Eye of Agamotto on his chest. He is the dark sorcerer supreme of the supernatural, and he deals with magic stuff. Anytime magic stuff comes up, you turn to Doctor Strange. Oh, good. Five seconds to spare. I think that's a good sum up of... Uh, oh, wait, you have to give me one now. You do. Scarlet Witch Quicksilver. Okay. Uh, the children of Magneto, maybe, question mark? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of unknown. Um, they used to work for Magneto, their brother and sister, they're mutants. Scarlet Witch can kind of do anything with energy rays, but it's luck, maybe? Who knows? Quicksilver runs real fast, uh, is kind of a hothead. Scarlet Witch has the best headgear in the game. Quicksilver has no headgear in the game. I don't have anything else. I'm done. Time. Nope. I mean... Oh, Avengers. (laughs) (laughs) No headgear in the game is a weird way to say very (laughs) spiky hair. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) But sure. Uh, Okay. Galactus. Galactus. He comes in Fantastic Four number 48 to number 50. He is a planet devourer he must consume the energies of planets to live he travels around space he's a big tall projection of a man he wears a very short skirt and he has a herald called the silver surfer who flies to planets to tell him whether or not they are ready to be consumed and will satiate his appetite we know from the pages of thor that galactus has been and will continue to be a sort of force of nature in the cosmos and that he actually comes from a dimension prior to our own and was Time. basically born in the Big Bang. Wait, what? I didn't even know that. I thought he was... Th- I might yeah, be I adding. He... I might be I adding. I think he came from an egg, so... That's all you need to know. Born in an egg. Born in an egg, Galactus. Just like you and me. Hashtag eggborn. <laughs> okay. uh, next, right. let's do Kingpin. Okay. Uh, big crime man. It's not fat, it's muscle. Done. Next. Wow. Wow. Throw- That's some shade at Willie. That's some shade at Big Will Fisk. It's not shade. Only giving him just... four seconds. He wears cool know. white suits, and at this point, he's yeah. a Spider-Man villain. Okay. Oh, uh, wait, wait, wait. No, there's a whole thing that we actually didn't cover that I should mention. He's got a wife, Vanessa Fisk, who hates that he's involved with crime, and that's going to be a big motivating factor. We yeah, I'd forgotten that, she debuts in the 60s, actually. It's, it's in extra issues, so uh, you can check that out. But those are good, good issues. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, always travels with a cadre of men. That he can fight at any time when he loses his temper. And gets extremely jealous if something is old and he doesn't have it. <laughs> yep. uh, Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Clint Barton. He starts out as a villain unexpectedly. He's really good with a bow and arrow. He's an expert marksman. And he's actually inspired to become a vigilante when he sees Iron Man save some people and is jealous of the attention he gets. Hawkeye's a hothead at this point. He... Eventually, after becoming a villain, he tries to redeem himself as part of the Avengers. He stays with the Avengers for a long time, butts heads with Captain America, loves Black Widow, loves her. And uh, by the end of the 60s, he starts going as Goliath. He makes himself approximately 10 feet tall and husky. 
and he wears metal <laughs> over his nipples. Time. I I didn't start a uh, timer for that one. I forgot, but I didn't want to hear anything more about that. Off, but that was that was my thirty second pitch for Hawkeye. So good. Uh, okay, next you get Nick Fury. Nick Fury, uh, World War Two vet. He came back, started a spy agency, or worked for them. I don't remember which. And he fights Hydra. He's effectively hired. Yep, yep, okay. Uh, Fights Hydra as a secret agent and kind of a paramilitary operation. Spymaster Nick Fury, one eye, lost it very undramatically (laughs) to a grenade at some point. Yeah. Not as cool as you think it would be. Next. (laughs) Time. (laughs) Yes. I, you know what that issue? I don't even think it's in uh, Marvel Unlimited. I had to like pirate that issue. Yeah, it's a Sergeant I, Fury issue. Um, it's deeper Sergeant in the run. Furry. Though. Stop! Stop teasing me with Sergeant Furry. Sorry, that's my webcomic. <laughs> that's right. I know. It's so good. Uh, okay, Ant Man and the Wasp. Ant Man and the Wasp. Hank Pym, Enchanted Van Dyne. Hank Pym. He experiments with pym particles. They can make you tiny. He also has communication devices, so he can talk to ants. He meets Janet Van Dyne when her dad dies, and he doesn't believe her when she calls and says, hey, my dad's dad, can you help me? (laughs) But he meets her, and she's young. He compares her to his ex-wife a lot. Um, They eventually become sort of a romantic (laughs) pairing. He experiments on Janet and gives her little wasp wings when she turns tiny. (laughs) So then they both can turn tiny and big eventually. Hank does get larger at times, and they're eventually, more often than not, founding eventually. That description of Hank is amazing because i mean it's all true it's true it's It's true when you say it all like that in one sentence it's just it's real bad (laughs) he's awful i mean and you didn't even get to like he he basically gave up all that immediately he doesn't even get tiny anymore i don't think does he i don't know he doesn't talk to ants anymore i was going tiny goes more than wasp at this point yeah 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 yeah. all right give me one i'm gonna do it in three seconds okay okay three seconds i will give you scrolls uh, shape-shifting green aliens. Next. Nailed it. Oh, Nailed hate, hate it. the Kree. Hate the Kree. Yes, they do. Uh, Kree. Give you the Kree. The Kree. They are an alien race. They <clears throat> hate the Skrulls. They are the founders, or they have, they're the civilization that lays eggs. claim to Ronan the Accuser, Captain Marvel, um, and some important characters. They're a big alien civilization that, uh, they're kind of like the Roman Empire. I think is the best way to describe them. Time. Okay. <laughs> Let's do um you get Namor. Ooh, I love this this wet boy. Uh he has <laughs> wings on his ankles. I think that's all you need to know about him. He's got wings on his ankles. That Next. is not enough. <laughs> okay. He's got uh, a widow's peak. Good? Okay. And big muscles uh, and giant Prince thighs. of Atlantis. He's the first mutant. He's half human, half Atlantean. He's a super hothead, loves Sue Storm, very strong, very fast in the water, keeps invading Earth accidentally, kind of. Well, I don't know, accidentally. Keeps invading Earth and then maybe feeling a little bad about it. Um, one of the few holdovers from the Golden Age. Time. Okay. Uh, Vision. Vision is a creation of Ultron, the evil android robot who wants to destroy the world. He is sent to attack the Avengers on a plan from Ultron. He ultimately overcomes his programming to a degree and turns on his maker, Ultron, and he uh, then joins up with the Avengers. He's an android, but he can, even he can cry. He sheds a tear when he is granted Avengers membership, and he's going to be a long player in the Avengers for a good long while. Time. He wears a cool cape. 
I gave you way too long for that. You needed 10 seconds. I could have done that faster. You're right. Red guy cries a lot. <laughs> cries a lot. <laughs> it's really extending that. Ooh, here's, more a f- than... here's a fun one that we barely read. <clears throat> Prowler. Yep. All right. Prowler is. Should've, maybe should have read. Arguably. Hobie, Hobie Doyle? Uh, Hobby Brown is how I would have said that. Where's the interesting pronunciation of Brown? <laughs> I don't know where I got that from. Uh, anyway, he uh, Hobie Brown. I'm sorry. Hobie Doyle. Hobie. Hobie right. Brown. Just a second. We're going we're gonna to stop for a whole minute here while I figure. Well, okay. I'm right. No, no. First Hobie Doyle is the character, the cowboy character from the Coen Brothers movie, Hail Caesar. Just Dang. so we know where that came from. Dang. No Have you idea. seen that recently? No. That's <laughs> I saw a weird poll. Yeah, okay. I saw that in theaters a while. I mean, he's incredible movie. in that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great movie. But okay. All right. Starting over here. H- Hobie Brown. Hobie Brown. What, what do you? What, what, why are you insisting on Hobie? All right, listeners, write in. Is it Hobie Hobo or Brown. Hobby? I'm going right. Hobby. <clears throat> Hobby Brown is a cat burglar who makes a suit with claws, lets him climb up walls, cut through glass to get into buildings. But he reforms with Spider-Man's help and becomes an ally of Spider-Man's cool purple suit. Uh, sometimes cosplays as Spider-Man. Next time, that was like eight minutes. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's do Captain Marvel. I'm just winging all the crappy ones at you. Captain Marvel is a Kree soldier who is on Earth on a mission for the Kree army. He ultimately sort of sides with the Earthlings to protect them. Um, he's got a green and white suit at this point, but it will become a more well-known red and blue. A supporting character in the Captain Marvel comics is Carol Danvers, head of Cape Security. Uh, his alter ego is Dr. Walt Lawson where he, uh, I don't know, looks at space and stuff. Captain Marvel. He's an alien. Doesn't like Time. Me. I mean, it's not, but I forgot what you were doing, and I kind of zoned out because he's so boring. I honestly, like, I looked up at the screen and was like, who is he talking about again? <laughs> 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 honestly. Because you said Wal- Walter Lawson. Is that his name? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and Next yeah. is Hulk. Hulk, Bruce Banner, uh, gets shot with the green stuff, turns green himself. Uh, screams, big, angry, boring. Um, Are we playing Password now? Yeah. <laughs> it does kind of sound like that. Uh, I'm trying to think of an interesting thing about him. He loves a woman named Betsy Ross, the one who sewed the flag, the first American flag. Uh, <laughs> Time. He... Okay. <laughs> There's nothing to know about the Hulk in the 60s. Or... You know oh, the wait, Hulk. Oh, wait, actually, actually. I think I just read a comic that was either from 69 or maybe 70, a Hulk one, where Reed Richards zapped him and gave him the ability to swap back and forth and keep Bruce Banner's intelligence as the Hulk, like, permanently. So, if you, if we, I don't know, if we read any Hulk comics moving into the 70s, that might be what's going on. Yeah. One of my, the only 60s Hulk thing that is super uh, interesting to me is he starts out gray and he perpetually gets founding avenger status because he's there in the first issue to fight <laughs> yes. Loki, even though he yes. leaves like immediately all right speaking of which loki loki he is thor's uh, adopted brother from asgard he wears really cool crowns with long oh, horns so he's good. the god of mischief and he's always trying to mess up and take down thor uh in the 60s we actually see him imprisoned a lot by odin and the asgardians for example he is tied to a tree on a silent island for a period of time but he's got magic powers and he's always manipulative he tried to manipulate the various avengers and brought them together accidentally 
Oh, that's true. That's a that's an interesting point. Yeah, when he's the tree, that he has to uh, he uses his powers to tickle the tears out of you in order to free him. That's right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're going to do aim. Advanced idea mechanics. They are part of Hydra, I think, or, or they should be. I don't know. Uh, Dave shaking his head, but I stand, I stand by it. They are. Um, <laughs> I don't know. They're like an evil group of people who's all tech-focused, and the main aim person is Modok, who's a big head on a chair called the machine organism designed only for killing. Close. Mental. Mental Sorry. organism. Yeah. IT, IT guy's gone wrong. Yeah. Um, Pacepot Pete. Pacepot Pete. Don't you dare mention his new name. One of the best villains in the Marvel Universe. He has glue gun, and he can stick people to things. Pacepot Pete. He actually is a recurring villain throughout this era, frequently against the Fantastic Four and Johnny Storm, Team Torch in particular. Um, he joins up with the Frightful Four for an extended period of time. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. you may think Pacepot Pete is not but a joke, but his history in the comics agrees with you <laughs> heartily actually he is pretty regularly a joke but he's fun okay thunderbolt ross well you know General what no, never mind never mind he doesn't need to be in here doesn't uh, like hulk <laughs> yeah. Got yeah there you go eternity eternity wow okay the big cosmic embodiment of all of space and time he debuts in the pages of dr strange Doctor Strange has to go on a hunt to find him, to get an answer to defeat Dormammu, which eternity does not give him, <laughs> but somehow he still defeats Dormammu. Anyway, he's one of the biggest, like, uh, he's a man-shaped body with stars all right, and next, planets next inside to, him. I mean, cosmic entity, best texture in the game. That's all you have to say about him. I feel like man-shaped body was pretty good. <laughs> but fair. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay, and also, if it wasn't clear by now, there are a lot of characters created in the 1960s. <laughs> there's yeah, a lot. Yep. Like, there's a lot we just can't even get to. But, okay, oh, we've got, like, a ton slightly over 10 left. Some big ones. You know, I should point out... Oh, that's a good one. Um, I should point out that at the start of this episode, Zach said, go ahead and add any characters if you see any missing. So I immediately went in and added to the list. Zach went into the document and took it out. He took it out. So, for the record... you're talking about is here i could throw him at you but as a gesture of goodwill i will save that for a time when you least suspect it i'm okay. gonna edit actually i'm not gonna edit this out i'm just gonna put a censor beep like you're swearing every time you say his name this is one of the downsides of being the the non-editor of the podcast maybe the only downside is um <laughs> yeah <laughs> is you can bleep out all my references to all right here's one for you ego the living planet all right he's supposedly a sentient planet but he's more like the uh like mother brain in a batch of kombucha flying through space that's sentient uh cool idea weird look big old Great planet goat. that's alive he fights galactus next okay uh black panther black panther debuts in the pages of fantastic four number 52 he invites the fantastic four to visit wakanda in order to take them down and basically just prove that he can he also then <laughs> needs their help taking down ulysses s claw the villain who killed his father wakanda is this amazing industrial meets africa sort of tribal city um it's got really advanced science black panther is the leader he's literally the king of this nation and he kind of becomes an ally for both the fantastic four and eventually travels to new york to join the Avengers, where he is floating around currently, fighting alongside the Avengers. Black Panther. T'Challa. You're going right, to do... We're, we're, we're getting down there. 
We're we're kind of we kind of whittled down like less important people. Well, except for there's one, one <laughs> big one. The Grandmaster hit me. Uh, cosmic entity who likes playing games. He's Kay. kind of a kind Next. of a uh, Silver Surfer. Silver Surfer again. He's the Herald of Galactus. He flies to the Fantastic Four and the Earth to summon Galactus, but then he sort of feels guilt after talking to Alicia Masters and sort of senses the humanity. We get the sense that he's not just a villain, and because of his betrayal, he attacks Galactus and helps the FF defeat him. Galactus traps him on Earth, where he is trapped for all the 60s, and he flies around on his surfboard. He's a big, gleaming silver dude, and uh, he's really sad about this. And he's from the planet uh, Zenla, and his lady love there is... I gotta stop saying that. I hate that. It's Shalabal. That time, uh, yeah, I think he's the fourth biggest crybaby in the Marvel Universe. Maybe the third. Oh, that's a, that's lower than I would have guessed you'd put him. Uh, Rick Jones, number one? Oh, yeah, of course. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Rick, Rick Jones by a mile. Like, there's always tears in that boy's eye. Rightfully, correctly, he should always be crying. He you should always be you sad. are such a bully to Rick Jones, and yeah, it cracks me <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Rick Jones, not on the list. Perpetual sidekick. Yep. Uh, oh, yeah, I purposely didn't leave him here. Um, yeah, number two, biggest crybaby, Sue Storm, but that's unfortunate. unfortunately so. I, is, they just write, I was just thinking, like, who do we actually see cry a lot? And they make Sue Storm run out of rooms crying quite a bit, which is... Yeah, like, you're right. Yeah, it's a bummer. We don't like it. But early Peter Parker could be in this list as well. That's true. He does He does sob out loud quite early, uh, yeah. quite often. Number, number three, I think three and four tied Vision... Hang on, no, do you so, actually have a list here, or are you doing this all off the top of your head? No, I'm off the top of my head. Okay. <laughs> okay I'm, you're, I'm done, you're going I'm done deep enough here that I'm like, did you list this? Uh, Doctor Doom. Vision's oh, a no, wait. pick. Wait, no, it's my turn. Never mind. Yeah, Give me okay. one. Okay. Uh, you'll never see this coming. Magneto. Uh, <clears throat> he controls magnets. Mutant. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. Uh, Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. He's not that interesting at this time. He's just an X-Men villain. Oh, dare likes, you. likes controlling things. That's, that's fair, actually. Specifically metal, but also just people. Yeah. Events. Yeah, yeah. He's very controlling. Islands, okay. bases, other people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom. Best Marvel villain in the game. Best Marvel villain creation of the 60s. He is bitter enemies with the Fantastic Four, specifically Reed Richards, who he went to college with. He is the ruler of a nation called Latveria. He wears all metal all the time. It is basically burned onto his skin because he was horribly scarred in an experiment in college that he blames Reed Richards for. He can do magic, and he's great at tech. He's brilliant, but he frequently loses to the next four in such a way that he disappears and seems like he'll never return, <laughs> only until his next appearance in the comics. Doctor Doom is the greatest. Time. Uh, yeah, pretty good description. Captain America. Captain America, Steve Rogers, was a Golden Age hero who got imprisoned in an iceberg when his sidekick, Bucky Barnes, was killed. And I don't know how he ended up in that iceberg. I don't remember. But uh, they thawed him out. He became an Avengers. He's a man at a time. Uh, he likes to fight good for good. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> As you as you don't have more details, your English just fails. <laughs> no, no, he he fights good for good. Fair, that is a summation. You know the way you phrase that "imprisoned in an iceberg" makes me really want to see like ice jail and yeah, yeah, like a fortress. There. That yeah, actually yeah. sounds pretty entertaining. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's do. I'll give you a big one here: the X Men. The X Men. 
And I want to know all their names. Okay. Uh, No, this is the original X-Men. Here we have Professor X leading them. It's a school for four boys and one girl. It's Cyclops, Iceman, Beast, Angel, and Jean Grey. And they are the mutants who are going out on missions to try and essentially show that mutants can do good. Um, The mutant metaphor is very early stages here. Like People are generally not really aware of mutants, with the exception of some political entities who are, you know, saying that this is evil and it needs to be stopped. And that's where we get the rise of the Sentinels and one of the Time. X-Men's earliest villains. It's pretty good. That's a pretty good sum up. Yeah, the X-Men are tough. Yeah, yeah. Just in general. Okay, we're getting close here, people. Five left. Red Skull, hit me. Ooh, the most evil villain in Marvel at the time. That's right. Loves to kill people casually, so casual. But when it ultimately comes down to, uh, comes to Vic destroying Captain America, his main villain... He has a hard time pulling the trigger. He's got uh, performance anxiety. Uh, and he's had the cosmic cube, cube wheel yeah, in often, his possession. Where often he carries the cosmic reality. cube. Who's, Frequently. But he still loses to Cap. Whose summation is this? Sorry, I just had to talk about the cosmic cube. I was talk. I was going to say he carries a cube. That's my next <laughs> sentence. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's it. Time. Uh, since you highlighted it, Doc Ock. Dr. Octopus, he debuts in Amazing Spider-Man number three. He has four metal arms on his back that are grafted to his skin. And it also, when this happens in a science experiment, sort of messes up his mental faculties. He becomes pretty villainous pretty fast. Um, He fights Spider-Man a bunch. Spider-Man webs his glasses a lot. He's kind of a portly guy, but he's got really strong arms. And over the course of the 60s, he develops not only the ability to wield these arms, but also to psychically connect to them so that when he's trapped in jail, he can summon his arms to come free him. Um... And he's, yeah, he's Spider-Man's, at this point, almost tied for first biggest bad guy. Yeah, yeah, sure. Him and Green Goblin are going to go back yep. and forth, I think. All right, Odin. Thor's dad, super grumpy about the younger generation. Mm-hmm. Always sharing memes about how the younger generation is lazy, how they uh, aren't as good at repairing their houses, how they're... Uh, how many millennials are killing industries? industries. Oh, yeah, same, exactly. joke. same joke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, constantly just arbitrarily punishing the young kids. Just for having fun, you know? But kind of all-powerful. Yeah, uh, hats as big as his torso. Oh, his hats are good. All right, now this is, we're down to the uh, the big two. Which big one two. are you going to give me? Uh, oh, no, wait, which one am I going to give you? Um, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Peter Parker. He is bitten by a radioactive spider at the age of 15. He tries to use these powers to make some money and seek some fame because he was a nerd and he was bullied. And his his reluctance to stop a thief when he thinks he's jobbed uh, results in the death of his Uncle Ben. And this sets him on a path of great remorse to act heroically. With great power must come great responsibility. Spidey, he meets up. Oh, there's so much stuff that happens in Spider-Man. Read every issue of Amazing Spider-Man in the 60s. He's the greatest. These issues are awesome. And Spider-Man's the best. I love Spider-Man. Rambling incoherently. All right, give me that last one. Fantastic Four. I'm going to do this real quick. Four criminals who steal a spaceship <laughs> and are rightly punished for their crime with uh, bodily mutations. Yeah, yeah, yep. that's right. And, uh, and who are they? And then we just get to watch over 100 plus issues, them uh, dealing with the consequences of their actions. And mm-hmm. being punished for, mm-hmm. uh, for being <laughs> no good, dirty criminals who just uh, sneak onto military bases and steal spaceships. Uh, with the ambitions of outpacing the Reds, I think they had pure-hearted motivations. Yeah, doesn't matter. 
Crime doesn't pay. Crime does not pay. I think that's the main takeaway you get from the Fantastic Four. Crime doesn't pay. That's right. Comics Code Authority approved message. All right, that was... Well, that was something. Yeah, that was... I hope that was listenable. I hope. We'll find out. (laughs) I'll find out when I listen to this. Um, Yeah, cool. So uh, that's the the 60s. That's everything you need to know to catch up to the 60s. Honestly, though, I mean, we're kind of goofing around here, but if you are... uh, if you're jumping in in the 70s, I think I'd be surprised if there's anything you can't get from context from the 70s. Like, things are not that complicated at this time that, like, you are not going to get the context from stuff. Like, I think Marvel Comics is still pretty easy to jump into in the 70s. Yeah, no, I think generally speaking, they do a pretty good job. There's a big ethos at Marvel at this time of, like, every issue is someone's first. And they take that pretty seriously. There's a lot of exposition that's going to catch you up. So don't feel like it's an impenetrable barrier. If you want to go back, you can. At this point in time, it's it's a little less essential than it'll become. Yeah, 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 for sure. All right, let's get to some listener feedback. I'll start off here. We've got one from The Mormagill. The Mormagill wrote into us again. You're so excited by this every yeah. time. Over the past five years, I've slowly gone through 1960s Marvel. I can't read a ton of Silver Age day after day. The writing eventually gets to me, and I need a more modern style. So I flip back and forth using comic book Herald Modern Marvel Reading Order, up to the heroic Love age. that site. Oh, yeah. Great site. Uh, kind of kind of a snobby editor, though. Very elitist you, you could, editing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, my big surprises were how much I love the Captain America stories, especially the Jack Kirby sleeper arc, the Submariner series, Jim Steranko, Neil Adams, and If This Be My Destiny. I just love the way If This Be My Destiny builds up to that amazing scene of Spider-Man lifting the rubble off his back. I was so happy to see that Homecoming was able to work a version of that into the movie, even if I felt the movie didn't quite give him, didn't give him quite as strong a motivation. I've already gotten a head start on the 70s, and I can't wait to see what makes it on the list. More McGill. Thank you, More McGill. I, uh, yeah, totally. It's, <laughs> it's tough. I'm always itching to, like, start read, reading modern, modern Marvel uh, when I'm doing these, like, even if I'm enjoying it, I still kind of want to jump ahead. But I think this is the point that I'll, I'll call out. We do have the Patreon goal of doing oh, yeah, an yeah, ultimate yeah, yeah. Marvel Universe reading club, uh, which would, I think, jump up to, like, sort of a modern context of 2000 to 2015. So if that's something you're really well, the, eager and itching to get to. the ultimate is. Ultimate is, like, in, mm-hmm. what, did, what did it start, 2000, what did you say, 2004? 2000 to 2015. Okay, 2000, 2015. It's it's a reboot of the entire universe, so it's a fresh start for everything. So it's not like we're just jumping ahead and gonna be covering 2000s comics. It's it's a side universe that you can read that's you know kind of inspired by the original stories, but its own separate thing. So this will be a way of you know if you're kind of itching for some modern stories, we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be covering those on the side as well. So yeah, that that's our next goal on Patreon, and we're we're about almost 80 percent of the way there pretty exciting so yeah 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 we want to read the next one hey dave and zach man one decade under our belts already it's been a lot of fun and we've read a lot of great comics and let's be honest a few bad ones i've done a lot of extra reading including all of spider-man doctor strange and silver surfer and all of fantastic four through 1966 there were times i almost gave it up in the interest of keeping up with the show easier i've only read the captain america issues for 69 so far and i still have one of those left but when all is said and done, I'm always glad I took the time to read them. Except for Yandroth. There may be no excusing Yandroth. I think that's so a now, strange villain, right? That's right, yeah. I'd like to look back at some of the things that I was surprised by over the decade. For starters, Spider-Man's origin. 
Considering how familiar I was with this story, I was very interested in the notable difference from the Raimi films that Peter has no motive to let the burglar go. He just doesn't care. The impact of this speaks volumes for what drives Spider-Man to never give up. It's not just about doing right instead of wrong, it's about doing something instead of nothing. I was also surprised to find that the famous mantra, with great power comes great responsibility, is not, at this point at least, an Uncle Ben quote, and I'm curious to see if that changes. So, to, for me to jump in here, that is a narrative caption box, actually. It is not directly attributed to anyone. It's the final panel of Amazing Fantasy number 15. Hey, before you read any farther, I keep hearing, like, like something plasticky moving around while you're reading. Mm, I don't know if you're... my leg shaking. Okay, yeah, I just kind of keep hearing some background noise while you're reading. Uh, okay. Oh, also I'm playing with my mic. Is the... Yeah. Hang yeah, on, is sounds... the penny I'm tapping on the mic as I do this? <laughs> Problem. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Flash Thompson has been a pleasant surprise. I expected him to be a little more than a bully, but found him to be much deeper and more compelling character. And the irony of his Spider-Man fandom is one of the most enjoyable running gags of the early 60s. By contrast, Amy is almost excruciating at this point in her constant near-death experiences and babying of Peter and worrying if he doesn't call or visit every five minutes is the least enjoyable part of AMS and seems to be getting worse and worse. Now, just my own personal take, Aunt May... This is going to sound mean. She should have died this decade. (laughs) Like, they start her out as so old and so frail. And then it's one of the weirder things in Marvel that they have to walk that back. You know? Uh Like, more than almost any other character, she is the one who, like, just starts in the wrong place. I mean, she starts out, like, 80, 90 years old. And I think, like, modern Aunt May is, like, 65. Right? Like, yeah. She's kind of like a silver fox later on. I I date modern Aunt May. That's right. I know you I have a I wouldn't date silver thing. age Aunt May. Right. No, it's I we have to edit out so much of Zach just talking. Just being thirsty for Aunt Frank, May. Frank, it's vulgar. I can't <laughs> even describe it. Um anyway, the Inhumans were a bit disappointing. I didn't know what they were or what to expect, but I knew they were important and well liked, so I was expecting something amazing. That's interesting to me. Like I don't I don't actually think of them being that well-liked, I guess. Um, they're interesting. I, I, maybe by us, you know, because I think, like, you and I have a more modern context for them that makes us, like, I love the, night. I think it's the 99, 1998 Inhumans mm-hmm. miniseries. Love mm-hmm. that. Really like the Inhumans. But they, they are weird. They're weird and kind of vague and, like, some of the characters are cool, but the whole concept is a mess. Oh, yeah. I was about to say. Yep. Yep, yep. Um, what I got was a hot mess with some of the most inconsistent and questionable backstory we've seen yet. Mm-hmm. Still, the characters on their own are interesting, so I'm hopeful they'll develop into something that lives up to the hype. The Hulk is another character it seems they haven't figured out yet, which is a surprise because he always seems rather straightforward. He seems to just almost always be the Hulk rather than a man who became who becomes the Hulk when angry. Uh, that's true. To close on a positive, I was pleasantly surprised by an unlikely side character I've never heard of, the Recorder. When the colonizer sent him to accompany Thor, I expected him to be boring or dumb, and yet I loved every minute of it. I was more excited to see him come back than I was to see Ego and Galactus battle. <laughs> Whoa. See, that's one of the things that's like that's completely surprising to me, but I also love that that's so true of of readers of any era of comics, is like the characters that resonate with different readers are always completely different. <laughs> you yeah, know? I mean, and not the necessarily. The recorder and Flash expect. Thompson. Yeah. I was at a con actually um, just like a week ago and there was somebody on a panel who's just like the biggest fan of Silk who – do you know Silk? No, I don't know what that is. Like that's like – she's got like a whole community and club around like Silk fans 
Um, she Silk's like a character who comes in the in the 2010s is a, a Spider-Man character. I don't really want to say any more than that <laughs> without yeah. spoiling things. Um, but it's like, yeah, people can gravitate toward characters in such interesting ways. Apparently, Peter gravitated towards the recorder, which is awesome. He's a fun kind of, you know, he's a fun character. So thank you, yeah. Peter, for the letter. And we hope to uh, be sharing more great Marvel stories with you in the 70s. He finished here. Here's looking forward to more great stories in the coming decade. Then he said, thanks as always. <laughs> One up to you. And then he said, Peter, a.k.a. the Colossal Chick Man. Darn if it, you are wondering me. what that means, we'll get to that in a minute. All right, right, here's the letter. I'm excited about this. Uh, I'm nervous. So this is from my wife, who wrote this. uh, (laughs) I think she was bored at work and decided to write us a letter. And uh, very funny. She has read zero of the comics, but she listens to every episode, which I appreciate very much. And this this is a good letter. Hi, guys. So honestly, I haven't read anything that Zach hasn't put directly in front of my face, but I do listen every week, and I get a lot of stuff from Zach. Anyway, feel free to not include anything about blah, 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 blah. Uh, I know you've talked about this stuff already, but why do you think Marvel chose to include female superheroes if they were going to be so secondary? Was it just to have some sort of motivating aspect for the other heroes? Do you think it could have something to do with the audience? Were they trying to get those housewives hooked on their comics? Do you have a favorite, and do you think there are any that break the mold? I know Wasp has a bit more character, but do you think that's due to her being younger than, say, Sue Storm? Do you think the female characters have improved at all towards the end of the decade? Um, yeah, let's talk about that. So... I would say as far as trying to reach an audience, I mm-hmm. think there's an interest there is an interesting letter that I think we talked about in Fantastic Four, um, where there was a, a woman who wrote in and basically said I self-identified as a housewife. Self-identified as a housewife, and the quote I remember is I have my Fantastic Four comics and my husband has his fishing. Which yeah. I really Fishing love. magazines. <laughs> yeah, fishing yeah, yeah. Magazines. Which yeah. I really love. Like the idea oh, yeah. of, you know, she really enjoys comics and it's important to say like no it's not all teen boys reading it which i'm sure was a thrill now is are these comics catered towards that audience like specifically i mean i i don't really think so um but the audience certainly did exist i think the inclusion of female superheroes at all is an interesting argument i mean i think like because i I think probably the big thing is like probably they didn't really they weren't thinking of it doing it poorly like Stan, no, Jack, no, no, so. etc. They weren't thinking we're going to put females in females, here, but we're but not going to give secondary. them as much agency. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, we're going to put Sue Storm in here, but we're going to make sure that she really contributes and that Reed talks down to her. Like that. Well, would... I mean, because it, it makes sense, right? Because, like, females wouldn't be as active superheroes and they would be more emotional, right? I kind of feel like it comes from that place of, like, yeah, this is just what a female superhero naturally would be, right? Like, I don't... I. From their because perspectives, they, I think that is yes, probably yeah, yeah. true to a degree. They they also because when when they get called out on it, and we've seen this a few times, people mm-hmm. like calling them out. They they bristle at that suggestion. Yeah. yeah, that like say Sue Storm doesn't get much to do, and they kind of defend it as if they, oh no, Sue Storm gets plenty to do, and like we, she's a valuable member of the team, and it's so clear that she's not like not the way that you write her. Yeah. So I, it, I think a lot of it's modern lens versus historical lens. There's also, I mean, there's an issue of well, Fantastic- th- there is also there there is something to like we we talk about it in a modern lens, but like I'm sure there were females at the time reading these comics and feeling totally frustrated, right? Like oh yeah, young girl, right. young girls read these comics. I'm sure in the 1960s and get frustrated that like their characters are always being talked down to. Yeah, and they do, and like you said, they do include that commentary occasionally and maybe don't react to it the best way. Um, and probably a little more defensively, I think there's an issue of FF early 
it's within the first 10 where there's a whole sequence of like Ben and Reed going through fan mail. Mm-hmm. You know, do you remember this one? That, and this is no, that's specifically what I'm talking about because they get defensive. Right, but through the voice of the characters, like through right, the voice right, right. of Reed Richards, where he has he has a weird argument where he's like, basically they're saying like, yeah, fans are complaining that you know you have Sue Storm on the team and why is she even here? She's useless. And then Reed's like, what are you talking about? She helped us. She was essential against Doctor Doom. And hey, Abraham Lincoln's mom was important too. <laughs> like, <laughs> to, that's, to what Abraham Lincoln did. <laughs> yeah, that's actually most of the argument he makes. Um, and it's this weird sort of like backhanded way to try to say actually like there's a good motivation there which is saying the female is is of equal worth as the rest of the team but then there's also the defensive motivation which is saying we wrote her in such a way that you should totally see her as an equal which i think mm-hmm. we would argue no you did not and oh well they also they, it's a continual point that comes up a few times where it's just like Sue Storm is important because she provides, like, good moral support and uh, she's, you know, a motivation to the boys to fight their hardest. You know, they, like, the characters say that often and it's reaffirmed as, like, yes, she is. Like, and and that's frustrating. So, and actually, I, I feel like there's a there's an arc here where it started out kind of rough and then I feel like it was getting a little better for a while. And then the late 60s, it took a turn and it's been getting worse, specifically with Sue Storm. Maybe not as much with the other characters, because I think I think Spider-Man's female characters are okay, but Sue Storm and Reed Richards' relationship, like as a married couple, it got worse through the '60s. Like it gets less, some... it gets less progressive, oddly enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, towards yeah, yeah. the end of the '60s. I mean, I think the one question here that I I definitely don't have an answer to, but I think is is very interesting. Actually, is like what were the motivations for, like maybe you know a a closer to equal proportion of female characters say on the Avengers, right? Where they're mm-hmm. like, we're going to add new ones. We're going to add Scarlet Witch and we're going to add Black Widow and we're going to add the Wasp. Um, I guess the Wasp right there from the get-go. But, uh, you know, like what, was it a sense of like, this is just the thing you do because Justice League of America has Wonder Woman and always has? You know, was there a sense of just like, this is what a super team looks like? Or I, was I, it actually a conscious effort to like represent... The different uh, my, genders. <laughs> my guess would not be any, <laughs> definitely not any kind of like ticking representation boxes. I don't, I don't think that was in their mind. I think it honestly probably came from a place of like, yeah, it's more interesting. We want a female perspective. I think it was just like anything where Stanley wants to, I think Stanley wanted to write good comics and he thinks that having, you know, different life situations would be interesting. He's just not great at writing them, but like, I, I, I bet it just boiled down to that, right? Like, we want, you know, Captain America with his old-fashioned style. We want teenagers. We want, you know, people of the ma- marrying age. And we want women. You know, that's just, it's a lot of different perspectives. It brings dynamics. And I, I bet it boils down to, to just that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe my guess. Uh, moving on, she writes, Why do you think they brought back Cap? He was originally a Golden Age, golden age hero. Was he that popular? If so, why did they not start with him in the 1960s? So she, I had to clarify, she was saying, why didn't the, the new age of Marvel superheroes, the Silver Age, why didn't they start with Captain America instead of Fantastic Four? And I thought you might have a little more uh, perspective on this than I do. Why not bring him back first? Yeah, that's interesting. I think there's a couple parts to it. One, I think he was pretty popular in the context of the 40s. Um, he definitely ran the longest. And like there are Captain America comics into the 50s. 
they're just sort of weird and undiscussed, and there's been some like modern revisionist, revisionist history around like, no, that was a different cap because <laughs> you know it was a weird era. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I think like part of it is just probably Jack Kirby created the character in the 40s, and Jack Kirby was the artist of the Avengers. Mm-hmm. To Avengers number four, like this is a character that he understood, and and they saw, you know, but and Stan was there at the time as like an editorial assistant or whatever. Um, they're like, we have this property, we have this cool character. Wouldn't it be cool if we could bring him back? So I I think part of it's just like the individuals that were on the title. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't I don't have a lot more on it beyond that. Like, yeah, I I mean I think probably. I mean they brought Submariner back too. I think part of it's just like they just they were kind of tapping into anything that was successful from that forties run. And cap was probably the most famous of the bunch. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think they probably just like started building it. Cause captain America didn't come in for a little while. You know, they started building up their new superhero universe and we're like, yeah, well let's bring him in. Let's fold him in. But, um, you know, they, they didn't have any probably great indication that they were going to be able to launch a whole new superhero universe and starting it off of captain America, who may or may not have been a hit, by himself in 1962. And I think when you ask ask the really interesting question of why not start with Cap, why not have have him be the inroad to the universe, I think the biggest answer there is that's not the story Stan in particular wanted to write. Mm -hmm, You know, I think, like, he especially, I think, probably, because it wasn't actually creating anything new because it was this character who already existed. So there's these, and we've, I'm imagining we talked about this, but, like, you know, when there's really building up to Fantastic Four number one, Stan sort of at his, his end of the road as far as, like, a comics writer. Like, there's all these famous stories about, like, his wife telling him, like, listen, you're, you know, going to be done writing comics anyway. Like, why not just write the story you want to write? So I think Captain America wouldn't have really fit that mold because he wanted to create something new and tell a superhero comic for a new era um, in the style that appealed to him. And doing it with Cap, I think especially with Kirby's artist, would have, like, it just wouldn't have had his flavor or ideas necessarily maybe yeah. integrated into it in the same way. Um, yeah. Whereas yeah, because he never, he never found like the best niche with Captain America writing Captain America, like Stanley did some okay Captain America work, but it really took him a long time to like find a unique voice besides like just that Captain America punching Nazis. It, yeah. It, I mean, Captain America is not that interesting from whatever, 63 to 68 or so. Yeah, there are stories I like in there, but I'll always think of him as a Jack Kirby character yeah. first. Whereas FF, yeah. I do think of as a collaboration, and I, I think that's important. So, yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, it definitely would be a different look for the MU. Okay, and here's here's the final question she asks. Have you read this yet, the last one? No, no I'm, don't, okay. I'm letting him come in fresh. If you could pick only one hero to follow from this decade, who would it be and why? And excluding... Spider-Man. Is that actually in the question? Or yeah, yeah, she wrote, part? in all caps, excluding Spider-Man. Yeah, so it, Spidey's the obvious Be, answer. Yeah, because she knew, she knew that both of us would immediately go to Spidey. So Specifically let's, for the 60s, if you can read one this, character. Yeah, yeah, and take this, try, try to put yourself in the mindset that you don't know anything about these characters moving forward, right? Like, all we've right, ever right. read is 62 through 69, and we're, we're going to relaunch Marvel in 1970, and only one of these characters is moving forward, who would it be? Oh, wait, what? You just recontextualized this. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying, like, you know, superhero comics are going to continue. They're going to kind of uh-huh. 
move forward, but only one of the kind of like Captain America moving from the Golden Age to the Silver Age, right? Like, say we're moving into the Bronze Age in 1970. Who's the one hero that we decide to carry over? Oh wow. Okay. So my uh-huh. my gut reaction would have pretty easily been Ben Grimm, as far as like if you can read any one character's appearances in the 60s, you should read Ben Grimm's because he's. I actually, for a lot of the 60s, like him more than Spider-Man individually. Yeah, oh, he's great um, in the first half of the 60s. He's very funny. He's he's complex. He's a nuanced character, um, and and he's great. Did, would I want him to solo. be the guy to continue solo? Because said only one hero, not one series. Right, because that doesn't mean a continuation of Fantastic Four, which is mm-hmm. the obvious number two, mm-hmm. uh, 60s yep. favorite to read. Yeah. Um, Okay, so one character who can continue. Let's give the... I mean, probably then I would go Thor because Thor's stories are very interesting. It's a rich mythology and world that they built up, and he travels the cosmos. So I think like with Thor, you get Earthbound Avenging and Mm -hmm. you get Cosmic Battles... And you could continue developing the whole Marvel Cosmic Pantheon through the pages of Thor in a way that I don't think no other Avenger is doing this at this point in time. The only other character is the like late 60s, like Silver Surfer or Captain Marvel. And I ain't picking Captain Marvel, I'll tell you mm-hmm. that. Nope. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I think Thor, which is interesting because you probably dug Thor comics a little more than I did even in the 60s. Yeah, I think um, I read most of them. Yeah. Who would you pick? All right. So I would pick... Hmm. Excluding too. I think we should pick. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, well, you know, it's interesting you say that, because I'm thinking this is a villain technically, but uh, I think if you look a little deeper, there's a hero waiting inside to come out, and that's Batrock the Kicker. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would take Batrock... That's not even I, his label. I don't. Is it not? I thought he was called Batrock the Kicker. I prefer what you just said. <laughs> Did I make that up? I don't think so. But he's Pretty a sure. leaper. Oh, Batrock the leaper. Batrock the Kicker is cooler. <laughs> Batrock the Kicker is a jerk. <laughs> he just kicks you in the shins. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think he made one appearance in the '60s, and I just loved it. And uh, I'm gonna follow Batrock. No. If we're um, throwing villains into the mix, then I got doom. Tell yeah. you that. Uh, no. Okay. So my my actual answer probably would be Thor, but in the uh, trying to pick something besides what you picked uh black panther i think the black panther just like mm. on his own has the most potential to like flesh out a whole world on yeah. his own that's really good uh, pick. In, in a way that like maybe doesn't get dug into the 60s but you can see that potential just in the 60s that there's a lot there but, yes yes very good pick. yeah yeah that's a tough question i honestly didn't know that answer until 10 seconds before i said it because it's rough uh she finished this year great work you too congrats on one decade down yeah thanks, thanks. Thanks for the good questions. All right, awesome. So we did it. That was the 60s recap. Obviously, there's a whole lot of reading in there that, again, if you want to find that stuff, go over to MyMarvelousYear.com. It'll take you to a page on the site I run, Comic Book Herald, where you can find all of the reading club lists. You can also get all the lists uh, through our Patreon, patreon.com slash MyMarvelousYear, or the Comic Book Herald email, or it's always in the show notes. We post a new episode every Monday morning. And we'll put all the comics that we talked about there. So if you want to follow along and read these comics, again, we recommend you do so with Marvel Unlimited. It's the best way to get like quick digital access at the most affordable price. Um, you can do so. And again, like we're the lists are no secret; they're everywhere. 
Uh, and uh, at Patreon.com, you can back us to get your own personalized My Marvelous Year hero or villain. Uh, I'm going to go through the list real quick here. We don't have anything new for this year, but we're, we're writing stuff for the next variant cover. We figured this, this episode is running long enough, but I want to thank our patrons, Dan Heath, the Terrible Toffiend, Steve Taylor, the Naysayer, Peter Parson, the Colossal Chick Man, who just wrote some, like, really cool fan fiction of his character in the Slack channel, so that was pretty awesome. Uh, Keith Bartley, Screenshot, Christina Cantabell, Lalo Lucrazzi, CJ Petrus, because I keep saying that wrong. It's not Petraeus. I think it's Petrus. The backup general later. I don't know why you would think that. I don't know why you'd think it'd be Petraeus. I don't know either. <laughs> Certainly, the, I would never. Well, yeah, right. Kurt Matzenbacher, The Reflector, Aaron Killingsworth, uh, Overwhelm, and Ben Grieving, The Laughing Knight. Oh, and I'm going to throw it out here. Uh, Kent Barry Warana, if you're listening to this, uh, shoot me an email because I... <laughs> I need to talk to you about your hero, and I haven't been able to get a hold of you yet. <laughs> so, Called out. Well, no, no, I just uh, I want to get a hold of him, because uh, the, the only reason we haven't done one for you yet is because I haven't heard back yet. Well, I think we could still um, do it. Oh, no, if, if he doesn't if he doesn't write back by the next variant cover, I actually have an idea of... <laughs> I have a great idea already, just based yeah, yeah. on the information I've been given here. Is it just based off his last name? Or no. Wrong? Oh, okay. No, All right, of course right. not. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we actually, we talked a lot about, you know, all the characters that were created in the 1960s. We're doing our own character creation here, know, and the roster so is fun. filling out. It's a lot of fun. So yeah, if you and, want to be part just, of the My Marvelous Year club, come check it out. we got to give a huge shout out to Christina, who's doing uh, fan art for all these. There's a, a level on Patreon you can get, and uh, you can get some fan drawings. And she's doing, like, incre- incredible work. Did you, I mean, these are she's awesome. doing good enough work that, like, I feel like the character... Like we come up with the outline. This is this is actually really interesting because doing this has shown me like really how important the artist is to the creation of a character. Yeah. Like we talked about this with Stanley and Jack Kirby, right? Like who really creates the character? The person who writes it or the person who draws it? And it's like she drew um the terrible Toffiend, and it was just like that was nothing. That was just an idea, some stupid idea that some guy had. He hey. just threw off the cuff. Uh and uh <laughs> And it really, I think, like, until she drew it, that, like, did not become a solidified character in my mind. Like, did you see? I mean, she took it. She, like, integrated these different ideas into it. And, like, it was awesome. So thank you, Christina. You really kind of yes. letting this whole thing work. Um, yes. Very cool doing... addition. Yeah. To the club. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So uh, thanks. We got one decade down. I'm uh, pretty happy. And just, just a little peek ahead. I think I did the math. And we're going to be wrapping up 1970. Or 1970. We're going to be wrapping up the 1970s by the end of 2019. So right around, I think, the first episode of the New Year's will be our um, variant cover wrapping up the 1970s. So uh, stick around. We're going to be getting into the 80s next year. And uh, can't wait. Things are... And Dave and I have already recorded 71 and... 70 and 71. And things are already looking a little better. Like, I think I liked everything that we've been reading moving forward. So... It's uh things are starting to to look up. Look in up. All right, yeah. So if you like my marvelous year and you're listening all the way to the end, please rate and review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate that as we find iTunes is like bust. So iTunes don't iTunes. Did you read about this? Apple's shut well, down iTunes. They have a podcast thing. People will know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we got to start shifting to Apple Podcast. Oh yeah, and uh, I please, I, I would appreciate a couple. It, we haven't had a, a review for a while, and we've also had a couple like drive by bad ratings. So. uh something to go balance that out we'd really appreciate that those drive-by bad ratings fair enough 
Um, yeah, music for the show is by Disaster Peace. That is Disaster P E A C E. Mm-hmm. And you can find their music on Spotify, Bandcamp, etc., etc. Uh, if you like the tunes, we do recommend you check them out. Oh, yeah. We will see you next decade. See you then. Yeah, who, who's the one who did uh, uh, Captain Marvel? Kelly Sue DeConnick? Yes. Does she write fiction? Or am I, I confusing know. her with Chelsea King? I know, I know her as a comics person first. Okay. She's married she to may. another comics person, right? Mark Wade? Kelly Sue's married to Matt Fraction. Matt Fraction, that's right. Yeah. They actually met on the Warren Ellis forums, I think, uh, in the early 2000s, which is kind of wild. Yeah. God, until, wait, just wait till, uh, till our Slack gets... Oh my gosh, if somebody gets married. Uh-huh. <laughs> that would be pretty incredible. We need, we need some slightly more, um, I was going to say, demographic evening out. Yeah, it? no, I, I think so too. <laughs> I know what you mean. I was like, <laughs> we, have, we have two women. The year is 1967. Wait, no. <laughs> not even not. close. Why was I thinking that? Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, that takes us right into <laughs> Avengers number 70. You, you have to, sometimes these segues are so like, you, that segue just ended up you going, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Those, those are like the worst segues when I'm editing to do because they just end with like one person just tells a bunch of plot and the other person just goes, yeah. Anyway, so and it just let me, like, let me try again. Boring. <laughs> Next, Avengers number seventy. All right, perfect. Thank you. I can do something with that. Yeah, I, we uh, both we both do it. We both kind of just move on. But I I always like we need to just make to it make cleaner, sound better because sometimes it just sounds like oh, they've just been talking for one minute straight about this, and I'm just like, yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> okay, that does make sense.